Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni. On VSIN, the sports betting network. Wow, what a Sunday it was in the National Football League. Excited to get into it all here on this Monday edition of the Lombardi Line on Visa and the Sports Betting Network alongside former NFL GM Michael Lombardi. Stormy Bonantoni with you. We'll have Thomas Gable join us in about a half an hour and an hour to Albert Breer talking all things trade deadline ahead of tomorrow's Halloween trade deadline. Who's going to scare some of the contenders potentially in the National Football League with who they pick up? But Michael, wow, um, I was scared yesterday. Um, we, we have the San Francisco 49ers and Kansas City Chiefs, a couple of contenders down the stretch that end up going down in interesting ways. We have quarterbacks that just continue to drop like flies. What were some <laughs> of your big takeaways from yesterday, my friend? Yeah, that's what I said on the podcast. Uncle Junior used to say, oh, they're dropping like flies, right? I mean, that's the way I felt like watching those games yesterday. Poor Kirk Cousins yeah. last year of his contract. Ter- you know, his Achilles, that's horrible. Watching some of the other quarterbacks play. We saw Kenny Pickett go out. You know, we saw yeah. some bad quarterbacking play in the Meadowlands. That was atrocious. Tyrod Taylor goes out. So, yeah, it was difficult. I-, I think the difference between the good teams, San Francisco and Kansas City, I felt like watching Kansas City, they, they lost the game. I thought watching San Francisco, Cincinnati beat them. I thought there were two mm-hmm. different things. I mean, when you go through it and, you know, it's not typical for Patrick Mahomes to have that many turnovers or their offense to turn the ball over. They scored 24 points to the Kansas City, the Denver Broncos. They got the ball at the Chief 39. They got the ball at midfield. They got the ball at the Chief 10. They got the ball at the Chief 20. That tallied into 24 points. They even turned the ball over in yeah. Chief territory. <laughs> So I think that was just one of those blips in the road. Mahomes had the flu, which is explainable. You know, as we said on the show yesterday, I mean, I know Joe Montana had hypothermia and came out in the Cotton Bowl and won it, but Mahomes didn't look himself. Whereas for the 49ers, and I hate to break this to you, but I was on them all for all the wrong reasons. I didn't handicap that game well at all. And the Bengals surprised me with how they played, how their offensive line played, how Burrow played, and how poorly this 49er defense looks, especially not creating negative plays or ever getting control of the game. Because from the start of that game, 
to the last of the game. I never felt like the 49ers had any chance to win, let alone cover the four points. Well, and I think that goes back to what you're saying, comparing these two games, too, because for the Kansas City Broncos game, even with all of the mistakes that Kansas City was making and Denver being in control for the entire game largely, you still felt at any moment up until the fourth quarter, like Kansas City still going to they could still come back and they could still do this. I didn't feel that with San Francisco either, Michael. And Joe Burrow coming off of the bye, he showed his athleticism, his mobility. He's starting to get back to normal, getting to 100%. San Francisco looked off in just about every facet. And I think it's interesting because you talked so much about the 49ers being really like two plays away from still being undefeated those last couple of games. And then they come into this one and it seems like all the little things that we thought that they had overcome still we're just we're there and so it's Brock Purdy with the interceptions obviously and it's back-to-back games now that he has two second half interceptions that you just can't have it's the defense like where is Nick Bosa where is Javon Hargrave showing up I never hear his name after I feel like the secondary is not delivering it's it's really strange based on what we were talking about San Francisco the first five weeks of the year Yeah. And I mean, when you break it down too, right? I mean, they couldn't create a negative play. I mean, Armstead had two negative plays, but other than that, they really had a hard time getting the the Bengals into third, second and 14, second and 12, you know, and that's where they live off. But like I said on the pod today, everything in football, you know, we tend to react to great. This team's great. That team's great. Well, there are times they look great in situations. For example, when the Niners are playing from in front, that defense looks great. Mm-hmm. When the Niners are not playing from in front, that defense looks very beatable. And their defensive front, which is what the strength of their team is, when that doesn't take over the game, how are they going to win the game? Purdy's going to catch all the crap, right? But look, the opening drive of the game for the 49ers is probably the most important thing. They went three plays and punted. Next thing you know, they're down seven points. They got back in the game, but then they couldn't do anything in the second quarter. And they got fortunate that that fumble happened right before the half, right? Because the Bengals don't score. Again, what happens in the fourth quarter? We keep talking about this all the time. Why do you bet against Arizona in the point spread? They rarely score in the fourth quarter. The Bengals put 14 points on them in the fourth quarter. The Chiefs don't score in the second half. How many times are you going to say, honestly, the Chiefs are not scoring in the second half? Yeah, against the, the team that gave up 70. Now, I know they're playing better, but come on now, right? That that wasn't the Chiefs. What has to worry you, and I think this kind of goes into it, and we'll talk to Albert Breer later, I think the Niners are going to feel a little sense of desperation. I agree with you, and I, I think it also, you know, we talked about the Eagles and how they go out and get Kevin Byard last week, and it's adding to an area of need. I think the 49ers are going to try to be aggressive when it comes to the next 24 hours and what they're able to do at the trade deadline because it's clear that they're missing something. And they're still obviously odds on favorite in the division. They are still tied with the Philadelphia Eagles to go ahead and win the NFC. But losing these three games, I think, is significant. And I know it's it's not how you start, which is the 5-0 and start. It's how you finish. And if they can claw their way out of this, that's going to be important. What are your impressions of where Cincinnati is at right now? Because they, of course, had a slow start and they are just coming to form. Even the offensive line looked good yesterday. They did. And, and I thought their game plan was good, too. Their play calling was good. Remember now, they only had... They only had nine third downs in the game. So when you are a defense like San Francisco that relies on the pass rush 
and you don't get into third down. They were only in eight third downs, the Bengals. That means they were playing Canadian football. They were converting first downs and two downs, you know, and they averaged 6.5 yards a play. You know, Mm -hmm. they were averaging 6.5 yards a play. So they were in control of the game from start to finish, and they kept the 49ers off balance. I thought Burrow was great. I thought they mixed up what they were doing. I thought they they really spent a lot of time in the bye week of – doing a self-scout of saying, okay, here's where we are. Here's what we need to do. And defensively, they hung in there. They created enough turnovers. I mean, they gave up. The Niners actually outgained them. Nobody would believe this. They outgained them. They had a better uh, yards per play than than the Niners did, but but then the Bengals did. But they turned the ball over, and you can't do that against a good team. I kind of get the sense that maybe, you know, maybe they would have been better off playing Darnold because was, was, Purdy didn't look like he was the same guy. Well, and Michael, I don't want to make I don't want to make excuses for the 49ers, but I know that's what it's going to sound like in this spot. But you look at the way they're coming off that Monday night football game against the Vikings last week. Purdy goes into the concussion protocol late. They have the short turnaround with travel from Minnesota, taking on a Bengals team that's coming off of the bye. So ample time to prepare. It's, a, you know, a, an imbalance from that standpoint. And a guy that are we sure that he should have been 100 percent like ready to go in that game in general when we hadn't seen another player go through the the protocol in such a short time as we did Brock Purdy this week. I, I That was something that I know everybody was shocked that Brock Purdy ended up clearing the protocol as quickly as he did. You're right. And and what I was also shocked was their inability to run the football. Sure. I mean, again, think about it. You again, know? that's I mean, not just a one-time again, sample size. Know, I mean, they, had, they averaged 8-2 a play, but they only had 113 yards rushing. 23 carries. That's not what Shanahan wants to do. And once again, they get to the fourth quarter. They're down by a touchdown. What happens? They guarantee a loss. I mean, that number is kind of interesting to throw around. 39 straight losses if you're down by eight points or more in the fourth quarter. But it really is revealing. Now, look, I know they miss Trent Williams. They miss him badly. Mm -hmm. And last year... They kind of went through a similar thing in the middle of the season. Remember, they lose to Atlanta, they lose to Kansas City at home, and then all of a sudden they explode. This happens to teams. In, in 2002, when I was with the Raiders, we start 4-0. Things look really good. Go to St. Louis, get beat. Next thing you know, we lose four in a row. And we go to Monday Night Football to play Denver, and everybody's got us buried. We're going to lose the game. We win that game and go on to win the rest of them. So it's really about San Francisco figuring out what's wrong with our team. Why are we not being able to do the things we need to do to get us the lead and play from in front? And I don't think it's as much offensively as it is they've got to look at what they're doing defensively. Yeah, and again, I think that's where it's going to be important at the trade deadline, see what they end up doing if they do go grab a piece, whether it's for that secondary or somebody to come off of the edge for San Francisco. And, and the offense too, though, it's it's not like they've scored over 20 points the last three weeks either. So I think it's just everything needs to get back on track and get together. Um, Joe Burrow, 283 yards, three touchdowns, had 43 on the ground. And this is after coming into the game with just 14 rushing yards, the previous games combined 43 yesterday. We saw that one play with Michael where he should have been sacked by Nick Bosa. He should have been sacked again, gets out of it, ends up getting the first down. So I think you're seeing from his standpoint, like, the back to normal 100% Joe Burrow, yeah. which is a scary thing in the AFC if I am a Kansas City or if I am one of those other teams on top right now. Right, and I am Buffalo, who's coming to town, sure. and Buffalo's not playing their best. Now, look, I still think defensively they're not quite there, and the Niners, but they're able to get control of the game with their offense. 
And, you know, that's a good sign if you're a Bengal fan. They really look good in the game. And they got the ball to Chase. They got the ball Taylor, Tyler Boyd. Got the ball to Higgins. I mean, their weapons showed up. And they're a talented team if they protect. And they did yesterday. They were able to. And his movement creates more problems. I mean, when he scrambles for first downs, mm-hmm. it eliminates you trying to play cover two man to under because he takes you right out of it. So, And he only what, he threw four incomplete passes the entire day. He was great. I mean, I'm watching the game knowing I gave out San Francisco as a recommendation. <laughs> and from the first quarter, Stormy, I'm like, this is the I'm, I'm on the wrong yeah. side of this. You just know it right away. Yeah, his best performance of the year by far to this point. You talk about getting those rushing first downs. That's what made him such a difference maker last season. We hadn't had the opportunity to see much of that. We are once again here from that standpoint. Now, you mentioned off the top, Kirk Cousins, a lot of the quarterback injuries. We have a number of them to get into when we come back here on the break. Cousins, Stafford, Tyrod Taylor, Daniel Jones, Desmond Ritter, Jalen Hurts, like the list goes on and on. So stay with us here on the Lombardi line. We'll update you on all of the latest when we return. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VSEN, the sports betting network. For anyone who didn't know, today is the sports equinox. It's the only day this year where all four major sports are in action. We got Monday Night Football, World Series Game 3, 11 games in the NBA, 9 in the NHL. And our team, to help you celebrate, has put together a VSEN Sports Equinox parlay at DraftKings Sportsbook. Here it is. Get your pencil out. Hurricanes Flyers over six goals. Lions minus four and a half in the first half of the Monday night football game tonight. Diamondbacks first five, take them there. And the Magic plus one and a half against the Lakers. LeBron's questionable, so that line moved down from four. But the one and a half, that is the sports equinox. 
VSIN parlay at DraftKings. The crown is yours. Make sure you get the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. And that parlay set up right there. I already saw on the screen earlier today, Michael, over a thousand people have got in, joined the party with us. Should be fun. And uh, yeah, we talk about, I teased, Michael, the the quarterback injuries on Monday Night Football. Jimmy Garoppolo back out there for the Raiders as they head out to Detroit tonight. Yeah, I mean, big one for the Raiders, right? I mean, you know, look, uh, it's going to be a challenge because of this front for Detroit's really good. It's hard to run the ball. The Raiders want to run the ball, even though they haven't had a 100-yard rusher all season. They're going to have to throw the football and protect on the road is a challenge. And one thing we've seen from Detroit is their ability when they get in front, play from in front, they make it very challenging on opponents. You can throw the ball on Detroit. There's no question you can. Can you protect well enough? And that's going to be the challenge for the Raiders plus you know, without the great running game, without Montgomery, you know, we'll see a little bit more of Gibbs. Can they actually make, can they actually get off the field on third down? When the Raiders have gone on the road, whether it was Buffalo, they have struggled. Even in Chicago, they had a hard time getting off the road on third down. Yeah, betters have been all over Jameer Gibbs over his rushing yards prop, by the way, today. Our leg of that parlay was the Lions minus four, four and a half in the first half. And my reasoning for that, obviously, this team is better than they showed last week against the Baltimore Ravens. They got boat raced from the opening kickoff, but I was looking through their games, Michael. Detroit had at least a touchdown lead in the first half in five straight games prior to what happened last week. Um, they'll be excited. It's the second time ever hosting Monday Night Football since 2014. And um, Jared Goff, much more protective, productive at home as well. So a lot of reasons, yeah. I think, to like the Lions early. Yeah. That place will be rocking tonight. I mean, that's a, it's a great venue. That place will be really rocking tonight. It'll be loud, and the Raiders can't. You know, what, here's what happens when you're a team that goes on the road like that. You end up getting false starts. You play from you play from behind the down. And, see, Cincinnati goes out there, and they don't play from behind the down and distance. They control first down. The Raiders' biggest issue this year is their inability to win first down. You know, they haven't because they haven't been able to run because they keep trying to run on first down. They have not been a good first down team getting positive yards, getting the second and seven and then converting. You know, they've been in too many third down situations, which ultimately, you know, the more third downs you get into. I know people say, well, let's just get in a third and manageable. That, that doesn't work. I mean, Cincinnati showed really the formula on how you want to be a good offense. You stay out of third downs as much as you can. The Raiders getting seven in Detroit for this one for the game spread total 46 and a half. We'll revisit this game a little bit, um, see how betters are playing it with Thomas Gable in about 15 minutes or so. But let's get into, um, you know, the big news coming out of yesterday that Kirk Cousins, unfortunately, looks like he torn the Achilles. Obviously, the MRI to confirm, mm-hmm. but everybody knew when they saw it. It's it's just so obvious when it is an Achilles injury and such a crushing blow, Michael, for a Vikings team that was really trending up after that one and four start looked like they had pulled things together still end up winning 24 10 yesterday in a division matchup with the Packers but how tough is this now for the way that we want to view Minnesota moving forward and of course Kirk Cousins as an individual who's going to be a free agent after this year well, welcome to the pack, Minnesota. Life without a quarterback. You know, we got a bunch of teams over here in the corner that you can join them, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's tough, right? And, and it's a shame because they were playing really good defensively, right? They held San Francisco down to 65 yards rushing, right? They, were, they did a great job against Chicago. They held them down. Chicago couldn't move the ball. You know, even the Kansas City game, that was there for the taking. They had their opportunity. You know, the one that they really let get away were the Chargers. They turned the ball. Remember all we talked about? on the Minnesota Vikings with the red zone turnovers earlier in the year, and they've cut them down. Yep. 
and their defense improved as the year went along. But now it's going to be a really tough struggle because, you know, they're going to find out what life is like without Cousins, even though they know they've overpaid him. But life with Jaron Hall might not be the same. You know, he's 25 years old. He played sparingly. He played the preseason in the three games. He threw the ball 46 times. You know, where everybody says, well, they'll go out and trade for a quarterback. Who? Who are they getting? Colt McCoy Who's giving is the up name a that comes to mind. Tell me. I, I said I said Colt McCoy comes to mind, and Elliot said Carson Wentz. <laughs> I mean, to me, it'll be somebody from the Kevin O'Connell family tree, right? He was in Saint. He was in Arizona, but there's no. He was in Los Angeles, and he was also in Washington. And I think he might have been there with Colt. So that does make some sense. You know, because he'll know. But can Colt stay healthy? I mean, it's the same thing. You know, I liked the Giants yesterday, and I kept saying for two weeks, remember now, if you bet the Giants, you know, you could, you're could you one play away from Tommy DeVito, right? And what happened yesterday? You look like one Danny DeVito out Tommy there. DeVito. Yeah. So it's the same thing. You know, you go with Colt, you're one play away from Jared Hall anyway, because Colt has a hard time staying healthy at his age and where he is. There's no answers. If there were answers out there, we wouldn't have so many bad quarterbacks playing. And this notion you're going to trade for one, who? Like, who are you trading for? I mean, P.J. Walker, I mean, he was horrible yesterday. I mean, he cost them the game at the end of the game. They had a chance to beat Seattle. You know, and and they throw double slants on both sides, and the ball gets tipped. Next thing you know, 54 yards away, they score a touchdown, they win in cover. Yeah, and O'Connell does have that connection with um, with Colt McCoy, was his quarterback's coach in Washington. He was. Um, but yeah, to your point, if he can stay healthy, Jaron Hall, fifth-round rookie out of BYU, he backed up Zach Wilson for a couple of years. He has been injury-prone himself, though, Michael. So that's some information to have in the back pocket. He's a mobile guy. He takes some bad hits at times when he doesn't get down. Um, the the Vikings right now are sitting in that seventh spot in the NFC. So they're in wild card position with a soft schedule ahead. And you just really, really feel for this team because Kirk Cousins was playing some of the best football of his career. Honestly, yeah. lately, he it was tied to Tua Tungavailoa, leading the NFL in um, in touchdown passes, second to Tua in passing yards at this point. And things seem to be clicking 70 percent completions on the year. So what that means for them long term, we'll have to wait and see. And uh, by the way, I I know that yesterday wasn't the greatest day for me in general in terms of my leans, but I loved the Vikings in the first half of this game. The Packers continue to start slow. Yeah, that's a discussion that that, that's a discussion that, that has to be had. I mean, this Packer team, you know, in terms of what I thought this summer where they could play good defense and try to win. They're not. I mean, they can't there's they can't get anything going through their quarterback. The offensive line doesn't really play and they start slow. I mean, they had a chance in the fourth quarter in this game. I mean, they get the ball spotted on their own on, on the Viking 15 and the, and the next thing you know, they're, they're they can't score. Mm-hmm. You know, when Cousins went out, you're thinking, OK, here's but you never got the sense from Green Bay that they were going to be able to to turn this thing around. I mean, Green Bay is offensively bad in the first half. I mean, they're bad in the second half. They haven't, you know, look, let's face it. They've lost to Atlanta. They've lost to the Raiders. They've lost to a bad Denver team. And they lost to Minnesota after that. And so they can't run the ball. They had 74 yards running against Minnesota. Against Minnesota, You know, even when they ran the ball against the Raiders, they turned the ball over three times. So, you know, the, the question is, if you're Green Bay, you got seven games with Jordan Love, you know, 
on, he doesn't complete pa- against a team that doesn't play great pass defense, had a hard time completing passes. You're going to have to ask yourself, where are we going? Especially given the quarterback talent we know that is going to be there in this year's draft. They started the season two and one, dropped four straight now as they get set for week nine moving ahead. Uh, here's what I would say about Green Bay. Everybody says, well, they're not talented. I would say this. If Green Bay would have hired Schwartz instead of Cleveland, they keep Joe Barry. Green Bay's defense would have looked a lot better. Mm. I'm just saying, Green Bay's defense is better than we see. I know they're 30, you know, they don't stop the run very well, you know, but I just think from a ta- from a front seven standpoint, they're better than where they ranked at 21st in terms of yards allowed, in terms of rushing yards allowed, all those areas. They did, um, by the way, and in case anybody missed it, they did lock up Rashawn Gary to a four-year extension earlier today. Uh, $96 million contract extension based on new money, 34 and a half signing bonus, making him now one of the highest paid pass rushers in the National Football League. Uh, just to cement the Packers' slow starts, though, they have been outscored 73-9 to nine in the first half their last five games haven't scored a touchdown before halftime in any of them took five series before they got their first first down yesterday um we still we have so much more to talk about recapping sunday michael we still didn't even get into the mayhem in metlife that we saw what a miraculous win for the new york jets espn analytics espn analytics michael had that a 99.9 percent chance for the giants to win with about a minute and 19 left in the game they end up losing in overtime I mean, it's impossible. And I mean, I had that game. I was picked that one, and I didn't think I was going to win it. And then when they, they teased me, it got me right to the brink. <laughs> and I'm counting it as a win. And I, I'm going to just – and then Russo, oh, my God, I, we got to go over that. My Russo picks, oh, horrible. Yes. Okay, we, we have that. I still won the week. I still won the week. Thank God. Thank That's- God for – Baltimore's allowing the uh, onside kick. Thank That's God. all that matters. We, we have that. We have some Panthers winning their first game. Who is this Will Levis? Round two, who? But first, Thomas Gable coming up next. Don't miss it. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VSEN, the sports betting network. Happy Sports Equinox Day, ladies and gentlemen, where all four major sports are in action today. And to celebrate, you can bet the VEASAN Sports Equinox Parlay on the DraftKings Sportsbook. Our four-team parlay includes Hurricanes Flyers over six goals tonight. The Lions laying three and a half points in the first half of Monday Night Football against the Raiders. Diamondbacks in the first five and the Magic plus one and a half tonight against the Lakers. All you got to do is look for the VEASAN Sports Equinox Parlay on the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. You can find it in the sports equinox section the crown is yours the appointments are lined up you waiting for somebody in there you got an appointment and it's not about what you want to hear but what you need to hear it's not personal it's strictly business time you and me had a private talk where step into my office and step into my office with michael lombardi mr lombardi we'll see you now Yes, and Michael, I know in your time as a three-time Super Bowl winning NFL executive and strategist, you've had to have a lot of tough conversations. You've had to have some people sit down at the desk and tell them what's up. I need you to do that with Kyle Shanahan here today, head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. After the 5-0 start, San Francisco has now dropped three straight Mr. Irrelevant. Brock Purdy has looked like a different guy as well when it comes to the interceptions. Five picks in three games, that's more than he had in 14 combined games prior to to this recent stretch and the defense has struggled as well so if you're talking to Kyle today how concerned should he be about the state of his team and what can he do to turn things around 
Well, I think the hardest thing for any NFL head coach is in the middle of the season is figuring out what's wrong with your team. And that's what, Kyle, you have to do. You got the bye week, which is the greatest time. And without having the end in mind, you need to sit down and watch the games over and over and over again. Just you and formulate what's actually wrong with your team. Because everybody on the outside is going to tell you what's wrong with your team. Brock Purdy turns the ball over too much. You can't rush the passer. You know, you're not good in the fourth quarter. You're not scoring enough points. You don't run the ball. But only you really understand your team to the level that it's going to need to fix the problems. And obviously, you have some problems, and you've got to figure out, is it players? Is it the scheme we're running defensively? Is it the coaching? Are we changing the scheme too much? Have people caught up with our scheme from last year? I think all those questions have to get addressed. Now, you built an organization on the defensive front. You built an organization on being able to pressure the quarterback. And when you can't do that, you and I both know the back end isn't going to work. So you've got to figure out what the problems are. We know the last three weeks you've averaged 17 points a game. We know this. So you got to start faster. you got to protect the football. And you're going to have to figure out what you need to do offensively to change the course of this. And then down the road, you better figure out why you can't come from behind in the fourth quarter. Yeah. I know why you can't, but you're going to need to figure out why you can't. A team that seemingly needs to play with a lead from the jump. They are still a co-favorite with the Philadelphia Eagles to win the NFC in an odds-on number in the division, but we'll see if they are aggressive at tomorrow's trade deadline. Another team that's got some of those questions about what they might do in the next 24 hours, the Minnesota Vikings, as we bring head coach Kevin O'Connell into the office. They started the season 1-4, and four, but have reeled off three straight wins. It looked like maybe they could make a run in that NFC North. Then Kirk Cousins goes down with a season-ending Achilles injury. How should O'Connell handle the loss of his quarterback that had been playing at a really, really high level as of late and the Vikings' uncertain future? Well, I think what you need to do is you need to just handle the situation the best you can because there's no quarterback out there who's going to save your season. You haven't been able to run the football effectively. Kirk has kind of carried you. Other than the red zone turnovers earlier in the year, you would have a much better record, would have clearly beaten the Chargers and some other teams. So, look, you've got a good nucleus. Your team believes in you winning. You can't lose that. You can't lose that. You've got to play to a certain standard and continue that standard and hopefully try to develop a young quarterback because whatever you decide to do it at quarterback next year, whether it's re-sign Kirk back or whether it's go find a, dra a draft pick, it's all going to come down to your ability to develop the team around. So without Kirk, you're going to have to change what you do offensively. Like no one's coming in to take his spot. You can't do that. We know that. So it's time to get on with the new era. And if Kirk comes back, that's great. But at least now you have an idea about what you're going to build the team around. It's going to be tough sled, and you know that. Mm -hmm. The defense has improved. What you have to improve is your run game tough for them to lose such a key cog was leading the league for touchdown passes with 18 tied to a tongue by second in passing yards. How about Jordan Love quarterback of the Green Bay Packers after the two and one start. It has been rough as of late with them too. go for it. Okay. Go for it. I mean, he said we're a mess look, right now. So what you you talk to him, sit them both down at the table. Well, I mean, if you're a mess, you got to figure it out. I mean, you've already had your bye week. What did you do on the bye week, right? I mean, if you've already had the bye and you, you come back off the bye and you say you're a mess, what have we been doing, right? So, look, I, I think that your biggest issue, and I'm going to keep saying this to you, Matt, is defensively you don't get enough out of your team. I mean, you've got way better talent over there than you do than the production. You know, now I know you're, you, you, you really believe in Joe Barry. I get that. 
But, you know, there's times where you just can't ignore what goes on. The fact that you don't play great run defense against Denver, who can only run the ball. You want Russell Wilson, too. You can only play, you know, you don't you give up 211 yards rushing at home to Detroit. You give up 211 to Atlanta. Something's wrong here. And to me, the problem you have is because you're a subcontractor, all you care about is the offense, which isn't going very well either, by the way. 25th in yards, 21st in points scored. You can't throw the football effectively. You lead the, you're 29th in the league in interceptions thrown, and you can't make explosive plays. You're 22nd in yards per attempt. So you're not even handling what you handle. So I think what you really need to do is maybe turn over the play calling to someone else and become a head coach. This would be the perfect opportunity for you to become a head coach go into the defensive rooms try to get them on side because right now there's such a disconnect on your team the team is splintered right nobody believes in the offense and no one believes in the defense you've created one turnover per game since opening weekend and you can't you can't rush the passer like you need to for the guy for the amount of money you put into edge players it's disappointing, and I think you've got to go back and fix it. And I will say, Michael, while the slow starts have been bad for LaFleur and the Packers, it's been good for us as betters if you've been fading them on the first half. Outscored the last five games 73-9, to nine, and I know we cashed that yesterday with the Minnesota Vikings. How about Mike Vrabel? Not, he doesn't need a talking to, obviously, head coach of the, of the Tennessee Titans, but I think he needs some advice as it pertains to his quarterback situation and similarly what they want to do at the trade deadline. Will Levis had an outstanding performance in his rookie debut yesterday, four touchdown passes as Ryan Tannehill's dealing with the high ankle sprain. Is it time to stick with the young quarterback, give him a chance, or should Tannehill be QB1 the rest of the way? No, I think we've moved. Look, we know Tannehill's not going to be on the team next year. And we've got to have to go down the road as far as we can go down the road with Will Levis to see where we are. And once we get down that road, we'll know what to do once we get there. But right now, we have no idea. We need to collect data. And we're going to keep trying to win because yesterday he gave us a great chance to win. We were a home dog in the game to a team with a rookie quarterback, essentially, in Desmond Ritter. So we're a home dog in that game. And he came in and played really, really well. And so let's keep going down this road and we'll try to strengthen the team around us. And unless somebody knocks our socks off, why would we trade? We are in a position of strength, not a position of weakness. Teams that are in a position of strength, saying no is a smart thing. Saying yes to anything is not really good. And you always want to put yourself in that position. And I think he can do a really good job of that. Let's go to the Indianapolis Colts. Producer Elliot and I are commiserating because both the 49ers and Colts on three game skids right now. It's not great. And for Gardner Minshew, since he has taken over the job for the injured Anthony Richardson has done, oh, just nine turnovers in three games, Michael, that have resulted in 41 points for the opposition. Gardner is sitting in the office. What can he do to salvage his season and future in the NFL. I think Gardner, you need to tell your head coach that you you are not. I know this is going to shock your head coach, but you're not Jalen Hurts. You know, you need to go tell your head coach that you are not Philip Rivers. You know, you need to go tell your head coach you're a backup quarterback who got beat by New Orleans last year at home when you played for Philly because you turned the ball over in that game. Right? Now, I also think you got to tell your head coach he's not as good a defense as he thinks he is. Because they gave up 511 yards to an offense that was struggling all year long. Gave up 161 yards on the ground. They've given up over 300 yards the last two weeks to New Orleans and Cleveland on the ground. So we know they're not playing good enough defense. So we're going to slow the game down. I know he wants to run what he runs because he had these great players. 
But at the end of the day, he really doesn't have those great players anymore. And he's putting too much on your plate. And the more you get on your plate, the more prone you are to make mistakes. So you got to go in there and talk to him. And you got to go tell him, say, look, you know, I am not Jalen Hurts. I got to throw a rhythm passing game. We got to run the ball. And you know what? We may have to punt here. But the more we turn the ball over, the more chances we're going to lose this game. I know he loves the fact that we're sixth overall in the league in offense, right? We're sixth overall in the National Football League in offense, points scored. But just so you might want to remind them, you're 32nd in the league in points allowed defensively. You're 28th in the league in points and yards allowed. So for all that you give, you take. You might want to remind them of that. And three and five when it comes to the record as well. That was a game that we hadn't had a chance to talk a lot about. Derek Carr finally has the yards and the scoring production and the win. We haven't seen that in a while for the Saints. So we're going to take a break here, but excited to converse all things trade deadline. Albert Breer, NFL reporter, is going to join us coming up next. It's going to be a great conversation. Looking forward to it. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare this is the lombardi line with former nfl executive michael lombardi now here is your host stormy bonatoni on vsan the sports betting network forget on DraftKings Sportsbook this week. New customers can bet $5 and pocket $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Download the app and use the promo code VEGAS when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. Alongside Michael Lombardi, Stormy Tony with you. We are just around 24 hours away from officially it being trade deadline day. Last year, there were a record 11 trades involving 13 players made on the deadline day. What will we get tomorrow to help us discuss. We welcome in Sports Illustrated's Albert Breer, the MMQB senior NFL writer and lead content strategist. This is going to be an exciting next 24 hours or so. Albert, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys doing? 
Good. Appreciate you joining us. I, I think the, the big name and big team everybody's really talking about today is the Minnesota Vikings after the injury to Kirk Cousins. And you were quick to Twitter yesterday to say you think the right move is to sell. Why? Just because, uh, you know, this has been a reset year for them from the beginning. They, they made the decision in the offseason um, after winning 13 games. I think it was the right one to lean into the vision of Kwesi and Kevin there. And, um, you know, they took on 30 to $40 million in dead cap. They reworked some veterans. They got rid of some other guys like Adam Thielen and Eric Kendricks and Dalvin Cook. And this was always going to be their reset year. I think you saw it at the beginning of the year. They've gotten, they've gotten hot more recently. And so, you know, I think that complicated some things for Kevin where, you know, you do want to reward the players that you have in the locker room and give them a chance to compete. But then Kirk goes down yesterday. And I think that's sort of the tipping point where you at least explore what you can get for your, some of your veterans. And to me, the big name to watch there will be, you know, obviously Daniil Hunter, who is in a contract here, probably won't be re-signed. If they could get like a, a second round pick for him, I think that they would seriously consider it. I don't think there's going to be a fire sale there because, again, they're back in contention. But, you know, based on kind of the, the strategy that they've you know laid out over the last years, kind of like when Buffalo, um, you know, rebuilt in 17 and 18, this is the reset year. And so, you know, accordingly, I think it makes sense for them to look at what they can get for some of the veteran guys in their roster. And what do you think they would do? I mean, would they say yes to a second? And what team do you think is the one most uh, hot in the pursuit of Hunter? Yeah, I think they would say yes to a second, Michael. Um, you know, now there are a few teams that I think would be involved in this. Detroit be one to watch. Um, you know, now you'd say they don't, they would, they wouldn't do a deal in the division, but these two general managers do have some history of doing deals. They, they did the deal for Jamison Williams in the draft a couple of years ago. They did the deal last year in season for TJ Hawkinson. So there is some history there. I think Detroit would be one team to watch. And then the other one that nearly did a deal for, for Hunter over the, over the summer um, that I think is a really interesting one would be Jacksonville. Um, now, you know, how far is Jacksonville willing to go to get that sort of deal done? I'm not sure. Um, but certainly I think for the Jaguars, that would make sense for them to circle back and see, um, if there's something to be worked out for Daniel Hunter. What about for the, the San Francisco 49ers who find themselves in a three game losing streak right mm -hmm. now? It seems like they need something particularly on defense. Do you think that they'll be aggressive yeah. tomorrow? Well, I know they've been sniffing around a little on a corner. Um, you know, the problem with corners, I, I just don't know what sorts of players you have out there that are really going to make you better if you're the Niners. Um, you know, the one I think that, you know, I've sort of heard about over the last, you know, few weeks is, is Dante Jackson. Now you'd have to take on the money, um, but he, coming from Carolina, like he could bolster your secondary. Obviously the biggest name out there would be Patrick Sertan. Um, I don't, Denver doesn't want to trade him. Um, but if somebody's going to come and offer more than, you know, what the Rams offered for Jalen Ramsey in 2019, I think they'd at least listen. So um, corner, I think, would be number one on the Niners list. Like everybody else, they'd like to add an offensive lineman or two. It's just, as Michael knows, it's it's so hard to find um, teams willing to to part with competent offensive linemen, even if those teams aren't in contention. Um, so, you know, I think if there were some offensive line help out there, the Niners would be all ears. I just don't know where that's going to come from. And how about the Rams? Are you, what are you hearing about them? I mean, Stafford looks like he's hurt and probably will get continue to get hurt. Yeah. The roster's not very good. I mean, they've got a couple good players, but there's no depth. Do you think they go into just sell mode here 
leading I just you to don't think, know. I mean, do they trade Michael, Aaron maybe, Donald or do they Michael, keep going down this me. road? Yeah, I mean, Donald, like, I, I think they would only move him if he wanted to be moved. Like, if he went in there and said, like, yes, I want you to look at sending me to a contender. I've only got the rest of this year, maybe next year left. I don't think we're going to compete over the next year and a half. Um, and say like his hometown Steelers, you know, he lives there in the off season, you know, if Pittsburgh were willing to, to part with something good to get him. Maybe they would think about that, but I think they would leave that up to, to Aaron. Um, I just don't know beyond Aaron Donald, maybe Cooper cup, you know, which pieces you have that are really of interest to other teams. And based on, you know, how far in they are on the money with both those guys, it just seems like it'd be a complicated deal to do here before the deadline. I'm with you. Like this is, you know, like I just talked about with Minnesota, this is the Rams reset year. Um, they got $75 million on their books and dead money. And, um, you know, I think at one point they had 19, 19 rookies on their 53 man roster, which as you guys know, that's not a youth movement. That's because, you know, of the position that they're in financially right now. Um, so like, I, I, I think they would listen on veterans. I'm just not sure how many veterans they have that would be of great interest to other teams. Albert Breer joining us here on the Lombardi line on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. Albert, the, the Kansas City Chiefs lost yesterday as well. And it seems like outside of Travis Kelsey, they don't have a lot of confidence mm-hmm. in that wide receiver core. Could they be in the market there to up, make that group better? I think they would sniff around. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, some of the names, you know, you hear out there now, the Titans are going to listen on all their contract year guys. So, you know, it obviously brings up the question, could the Chiefs circle back on DeAndre Hopkins? They looked at him in the off season. Um, That became an on-starter for them after they signed Donovan Smith. That kind of took the salary slot that they had set aside for Hopkins. Um, I, I think that they have to be real honest with themselves about where they are with their young receivers. You know, you know what you're going to get in Valdez Gantling. You know what you have in Hardman. Um, the two guys they drafted pretty high the last couple of years, Rashi Rice this year and then last year, Sky Moore. Um, yeah, I think Andy and Brett and those guys are going to have to be very honest with themselves about where they are and, and where they can get those guys by January. So I certainly think they would be, you know, out there at least looking at what's available help-wise, like, would Minnesota listen on KJ Osborne, who is a really good slot receiver, who is in a contract year, who Minnesota might not keep because, you know, they've, uh, they've got to go pay Justin Jefferson now. And they just invested a first round pick in Jordan Addison. Maybe that would be the sort of idea you would look at, or do you see if Denver's willing to trade in division with either Judy or Sutton? There are some ideas out there, um, you know, where they could go and make a move. Um, but I think the the core of this is they got to be honest with themselves about where they are with their young players. Yeah. How about this two, two part question, Albert is Josh Harris going to allow the Washington front office to make moves, even though there may be a new front office in Washington yeah. and which one gets traded? Will chase young get traded or sweat? So like I was told, you know, that the weekend's result was going to affect this. And, you know, I think for Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew, like those guys can help you hold on to your job. So I think this is where the job security thing becomes a little complicating for, for the, your ability to get a, get a deal done. I, I think right now there will be more interest in sweat just because he's healthier. Like there's not the medical history there. Um, you know, and I, and I think like he might be even a little more signable than chase young at this point. I think chase young wants to play his contract out and get to free agency. Um, you know, the question, the question becomes, 
like how what what the commander's desire is as far as holding on to one of those guys. And I think if you'd asked them in the summer who they were trying harder to re-sign, they would have told you it's Montez Sweat. So, you know, I think if all things were equal and they were offered a second round pick for each of them, they would probably part with Chase Young before they would part with Montez Sweat. I just think that there'd probably be a little bit more interest in Sweat right now based on signability and health than there would be in Young. And while we're talking defense, we did just see a a deal come through that the Seahawks, who actually lead the NFC West right now over the 49ers, are finalizing a deal to acquire Giants defensive lineman Leonard Williams. Does that move the needle for you, Albert? Yeah, I mean, he's a good player, you know, and they've been looking for defensive line help. They've been looking for um, for edge rush help, actually, for 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 the last couple of weeks. Um, They were actually looking at potentially offloading. Um, Daryl Taylor before and Wosu got hurt and they were looking at a couple of the guys out there and they talked to a couple teams about edge rushers. Josh Uche from, from new England was one of them. And um, so it doesn't surprise me that they would go and get help on their D line. Obviously Leonard Williams isn't an edge rusher, but he does satisfy the need that they have to add a little something up front. And, you know, Leonard Williams is obviously a, a pricey player, um, you know, but he can bring something to your defensive line. And, you know, for the Giants, I think it makes sense because you had a little bit of a log jam there salary-wise carrying both Dexter Lawrence's new contract and what you previously paid Leonard Williams. Albert, I have like 50 mm-hmm. more questions for you, but we're up against a break. Thank you for <laughs> Thanks, doing Albert. this. We appreciate it. Appreciate right, it. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Have a fun trade deadline day. That's the real holiday that is tomorrow, not Halloween, yeah. right? It is. Well, I mean, like this trade makes sense. Like Albert said, they got so much money tied up in Lawrence and and Williams hasn't been what they thought he was when they traded him and they get a two back for him along with a fifth round pick. And for John Schneider, he gets another guy to play next to Dacre to Jones inside. So they're they're bulking up the inside of their defensive line, which I think is a a good thing. They got to get Williams to play at a higher level, but that's a good deal. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare 